DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Vinnie Flynn, who is a well-known Catholic author, speaker, singer, and musician who speaks and sings all over North America. He's the author of The Seven Secrets of the Eucharist and 21 Ways to Worship. With Vinnie Flynn, we go inside the pages of Seven Secrets of Confession, published by Mercy Song and Ignatius Press. Vinny, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you, Chris. It's great to be with you. Seven Secrets of Confession. It's wonderful in that you're able to distill this great gift of confession for us, why is it that we have so many blocks in our hearts and our minds over this particular healing sacrament? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think I think part of the reason is that we we've been taught wrong in some ways, and the other thing is that this sacrament is so important that I think the other guy is just trying to do everything he can to keep us from realizing how important this sacrament is and how beautiful it is. There's just so much here. Uh, most Catholics that I know, including myself, you know, w- were raised with some pretty distorted concepts of what confession really is about. I thought it was really intriguing that you began with Secret One as sin doesn't change God. And I, I think in that particular area of understanding what sin actually is, I think that's that's the imperative, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I put that as the first um, secret. I went back and forth a few times, but because that's that's the essential distortion that that I think we we many of us grew up with is that we've learned from each other in the world that love is conditional. If I am nice to you, you're nice to me. If I am pretty nasty to you, you tend to be nasty to me, or at least not as nice. We, we affect each other with our behavior, so we think behavior causes someone else to change in the way they view us. So we put that on God. We kind of recreate him in our image instead of the other way around. And we think that when we sin, God's mad at us. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that, that Now we've lost his love. We have to re-earn it, which is a distortion from the beginning because you, you can't ever earn God's love. It's a free gift. And it, it shows a lack of understanding of who God is. God is love. That's all he does is love. So that God is loving me just as much when I'm in the middle of sinning as when I'm when I'm going to mass. It's like it, it's my behavior can't change God. He is who He is, and He will always love me. I can pull away from Him. So what we need to realize about our sin is that sin doesn't change God; it changes us. All the change takes place in me when I sin. I pull away from God in such a way that I can't feel his nearness. I can't experience his love. That's really the building block, the cornerstone kind of concept that we need to have about confession is to realize that, you know, it's not a matter of, oh, I've been bad. God's mad at me. I got to go say I'm sorry. Then he won't be mad at me anymore. He won't punish me. That's a real distortion of who God is and of what he wants to do in our lives. That entrance in the secret, too, that goes hand in hand with that first one. Because of that sin, because it hurts us, we need to be healed. And it is the great healing sacrament, isn't it? 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've I've asked so many people over the years. You know, if you had one word to to, to summarize what confession is about, what would it be? And everybody always says forgiveness, and it's just the wrong word. The Catechism says forgiveness initiates the healing. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's about forgiveness, but the forgiveness is just to begin the real important part, which is healing. God is not content merely to forgive our behavior. He wants to heal us completely, body, mind, and soul. So everything that's been lost through our sin, through our woundedness, God wants to restore. And that's who he is in the confession. He's the great restorer. Pope John Paul says, mercy restores. That's its function. God is mercy himself. So when I go to confession, that's my misery meeting his mercy. And he, and he just wants to make everything all better. So one of the, one of the phrases that I love is that confession is running to daddy. Hmm. You know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I fell down, I hurt myself, you know, kiss the boo-boo, daddy, can you make it better? And that's what's actually taking place in confessional. Mm-hmm. So it's, and that's so far away from the way we're taught, you know, I, I, I pulled my sister's hair three times, you know, I, I said no to my mother. I mean, as kids, we're taught that it's about behavior, and, and now God doesn't like us so much, and we got to be sorry, and we got to go in, and, but, but there's some truth to that. We do need to be sorry, but we need to realize that it's us that have been hurt by our sin. Mm-hmm. You know, God's hurting for us. Our behavior affects him simply because he knows it hurts us. But he's not focused on our behavior the way we are. He's focused on relationship. We are his sons and daughters. He willed us into life. He fathered us from his heart into life and promised to love us forever. So in the confessional, he's just trying to keep that process going to to make everything better, to give us the, the grace and the strength and the understanding that we need to become more like him. And if we become more like him, then we can eventually be with him forever. And that's his goal. It also, in Secret 3, you really help us to appreciate the difference in our sin. And what I mean by that is that it may look like the same type of action, but because we're so uniquely different, even our sins, how we sin, and the effect are different for each person. Right. And again, that's an extension of the whole idea that, that, that God's concerned about relationship. So we have the, the Ten Commandments. We have, you know, rules and regulations and things that are right and wrong. And, and, and that's good. And they're a good guide and they help us form our consciences. And we do need to pay attention to that, you know. But, but if we get lost in it and or if we don't go any further, if we don't go beyond the commandments, mm-hmm. then we, we're still focused on behavior. But since God's focused on relationship, when I do a particular action and someone else does the same action, we each have a different relationship with God. We have different abilities, different level of understanding, different level of woundedness, and only God sees all that. So he knows how guilty we are. For instance, you know, I was was blessed to be raised by a loving mother and father. I had one mother, one father. They loved me. They taught me right from wrong. Mm-hmm. They affirmed me. So so I was blessed for that. Well, I didn't make that happen. I, just had, I was gifted with that. Okay, so if, if I'm walking down the street and somebody looks at me funny and I'm in a bad mood and I beat him up, you know, well, that's a bad behavior. Now, if, now let's take another person who's 
father abandoned him when he was born. His mother was a prostitute, and he had to deal with that for several years, and then was finally left on the street and was homeless, was taken up by an agency, shifted from orphanage to orphanage, you know, abused in the orphanage. Now, that guy's walking down the street, mm-hmm. and somebody looks at him funny, and he beats him up. Same behavior. Who's more guilty? See, I've been given more. So God expects more. So there's that, that really scary phrase, in a sense, from the scripture that, you know, to those, from those to whom much has been given, much will be expected. If I'm given more, God expects more. Uh, the, one of the examples I love is playing cards. You know, we each dealt a different deck. If I'm sitting there with four aces and you're sitting there with two threes, you know, I'm expected to do better. <laughs> you know, but you can't play my hand and I can't play yours. So what it all means is we've got to stop judging each other based on behavior. And we even have to stop judging ourselves based on behavior. The judgment seat belongs to Jesus Christ and only him. So when we extend this concept, that means I have to go beyond the commandments. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, well, I've been pretty good, you know, like the, like the Pharisee. I've been pretty good. I've been keeping the rules. I've been going to church. And I say the rosary. All right, great. You know, I'm glad I'm not like that poor slip over there. You know, he's, he's just a sinner. And if instead I say, God, what would you like me to do today? What would please you, Lord? What would you like me to do? How can I please you? Now I'm going beyond the commandments to responding to God's call to me, which is different from his call to anyone else. And that's what we can each come to, especially through regular confession and to an understanding of this, that it's about relationship. How can I improve my relationship one-on-one with God and get to the point where my concern is not simply about, quote, being good or avoiding bad things, but it's on responding to this God who loves me in the way he would like me to respond. You bring forward in that secret number five, uh, kind of a provocative statement. You say that (laughs) confession really isn't private. And that's, you know, that's something that kind of stuns us because we do want to keep it so to ourselves, don't we? Yeah, well, I, I, I have a confession to make. I mean, I, I did it for the shock value, really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I when I give talks and I say that, people look at me like, are you kidding? And, I, and you know, I say, okay, don't stone me yet, you know, because there is a point to this. Of course, it's private in the sense that the seal of the confessional is real and very extreme, that the priest cannot make any use whatsoever of this information. And, and it's a very strict thing. But then we got to realize that the priest is acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. Christ is hearing our confession. So that it's, it's the same as when the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood. He's so sacramentally identified with Christ that he is acting in Christ. So Christ is the priest. It's, a, it's the most unusual, unique, complete identification imaginable between the priest and God sacramentally, the ordination of the priest. So in the confessional, we need to understand that we're coming face-to-face with Christ. It's, it's like Pope Francis said so beautifully, it's not a trip to the dry cleaner. It's a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Well, at, those who, who read Seven Secrets of the Eucharist will remember that the, one of the secrets is Christ is never alone. You know, mm-hmm. Christ is God. 
He's fully man, he's fully God. So wherever Christ is, the Father is, and the Holy Spirit is, and all of heaven is. So in the confessional, Scripture is being fulfilled in the sense that all of heaven is rejoicing at a sinner returning. <laughs> They're all paying mm-hmm. attention. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's this tribunal of mercy. The Catechism calls it that. The, the, in the Diary of St. Faustina, Christ calls it that. We're, we're encountering the Trinity, the three persons of the Trinity, and they're on our side. They're not there to judge. They're there to heal and to educate. We're talking with Vinnie Flynn about his phenomenal book, The Seven Secrets of Confession. And in that, that whole concept of confession that has been taught not only by just a whole plethora of saints about encountering that healing blood, but also of St. Faustina who would write on how the blood and water which comes forth from my heart always flows down upon your soul and enables it. That it really is the the sacrament of the precious blood in a very real way, isn't it, Vinny? It is. Well, it's, you know, it's, and that's part of what I talk about in that particular chapter, um, the secret fire, the you've got mail chapter. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's an understanding of the cross, that we are there at the foot of the cross. See, what the Church teaches, for instance, about the Eucharist, at each Mass, we are, in a sense, transported. Christ isn't dying again. It's just that because Christ lives in the eternal now, everything's present to him. Christ saw each of us from the cross. From the cross, he saw sins. 2,000 years ago, he saw sins that I'm going to commit next week. Mm-hmm. And he took them all into his body and died for them so that I could be free of them. In the confessional, we're accessing that. Just as in the Mass, we're back there at Calvary, and Pope John Paul taught so strongly that, that in the Eucharist, the whole passion, death, and resurrection of Christ is concentrated for all time in the Eucharist, so that when we receive the Eucharist, all the grace from Christ's death on the cross flows upon us then in our now moment. We receive now the fruit of what he did then, at every Mass and in every confession. We are there at the cross. Everything comes from the cross of Christ. Mm-hmm. So that so that we are we are receiving in our now moment what Christ did for us then. And that's why I say you got mail I the image I use is that Christ from the cross two thousand years ago emailed us all with forgiveness and healing we'll need. But we have to do something to get it. We have to turn our computer on, we have to log on, we have to open our browser, we have to go to our mail and click on it. And and, and then we all oh, we've got mail. Now we can read it, print it, download it, we can utilize it in whatever ways. That's what happens in the confessional. I'm not going in, oh, Christ, please forgive me. Oh, I hope you'll forgive me. He did it already. <laughs> Once on the cross. It's all done. I'm just, I'm just receiving it in the confessional. Through my repentance, that's my logging on. You know, I, I'm, that's the key that's the, that opens this doorway to the, to the blood and water that came forth from his heart to heal me completely. It's an awesome reality. We're saying yes to a transformation, aren't we? Absolutely. See, see, the the whole thing, the Catechism teaches that, based on the, you know, the first book of the Bible, that Christ created us each in his image and likeness. Why did he create us like him? You know, what, why did God do that? Because his goal is that he wants us to be with him. Someday God the Father wants to introduce you and me into the Trinity itself. 
But we can't be with God in that intimate, dynamic relationship unless we're like him. So he created us to be like him. And then sin, the Catechism says, disfigures us so that we're not in his likeness anymore. Christ came to restore us in that likeness. The main function of the sacraments, especially the sacraments of reconciliation and Eucharist, is to transform us, to transfigure us. Pope Benedict calls it progressive transfiguration. Step by step, reception of the Eucharist, after each reception of the Eucharist, the, the, the reconciliation, it's, a, it's all a process. Bit by bit, progressively, Christ is restoring us in his image until we can become completely like him and therefore can be with him forever. I think a very powerful uh, secret, shall I say, chapter in the book is number seven, and letting go of the chains and opening the door and allowing him in. We have to let go of things so there's room. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, um, I'm, yeah I'm finding that um, of the people that have been responding so far, um, most of them respond primarily to this chapter. Um, it, it, and it's so funny because when I give talks on this, mm-hmm. usually you know one of, my, one of my daughters will be there, and their job is to keep track of the time and keep track of me, and they will wave their hands, do whatever they have to do to get me to hurry up if I haven't hit this part yet, <laughs> <laughs> because this is so important. Mm-hmm. And there are barriers that prevent us from receiving God's love. And it's really important to understand them. And the the main barrier is woundedness and unforgiveness that results from it. Mm-hmm. And and we all have it. We, we we have it. They say I need to get rid of unforgiveness every day. There's all kinds of forms of unforgiveness that we don't even know are there unless we learn about it and realize. Okay, wait a minute. That 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 negative feeling I just had, that negative thought, that's a form of unforgiveness. It's going to be like a cancer in me until I get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So we we need to learn how to take not just our behaviors, not just our sin, but our woundedness into the confessional, and especially any unforgiveness that's there. So if I've been hurt, if I've been hurt by a by a father figure, which is I think the greatest wound that there is, the father wound. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a father. It can be a father, a mother, a teacher, a friend, a policeman, a priest. Yet someone who was supposed to reflect the fatherly tenderness of God for me and did not. And it hurt me. And and our tendency when we're hurt is to hurt back, to rebel, to resist, to be angry, to get bitter and resentful. And that's all unforgiveness. And it chains us. We can't function properly. If you're wondering why you can't function very well, it, it can usually be traced back to the chains that are hanging on your neck that are weighing you down. And, and, and they're chains of unhealed woundedness and unforgiveness. And the confessional is where we get rid of that stuff. So in that chapter, I, I go through a whole lot of explanation of that, but also a whole lot of different methods or different ways and different levels of, of getting rid of this stuff so that we can be free. I think a little bit later in the book, you say, go a lot. Because yeah. you, because look at the freedom. I mean, this really is the sacrament of transformation and freedom. Right, and it's and again, it goes back to that whole process thing. It's, I mean, I always thought confession was a one-time fix for a particular behavior. 
So here's my sin. Okay, I'm going to get that fixed. That's going to get forgiven. You know, so and, th- and that was the thing. So I would only go when I had to. <laughs> if I had a behavior that was so bad that I said, oh, I can't go to communion, I have to go to confession so that I can go to communion. Yeah, I wasn't realizing that the Church has always taught a sacrament is to give grace. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. And the function of grace, the Catechism teaches us, is to heal and sanctify, meaning to make holy. So every sacrament is supposed to be a healing and bring us to holiness. So we shouldn't we shouldn't just go to confession. We should go to grow. We shouldn't just go for forgiveness. We shouldn't just go about particular sins and behaviors. We should go for the grace to help us grow and become free. And so since it's a process, it doesn't happen all at once. There's layers. We all have layers of woundedness and confusion and sin. And and it can't all be removed all at once, normally. So we need to go and, okay, there's one layer gone. Now I go back and I get a little more. And if we can combine confession with spiritual direction, which I would urge people to do, get a spiritual director, get some, get a regular confessor who knows you. And then you also get what Faustina calls the education. She says we go to confession for two purposes. She doesn't even mention forgiveness. We go for two reasons, healing and education. So a spiritual director, who's also our confessor, can really help us to grow because he's walking with us in this process, in this journey to holiness and healing. Mm. I have to say, Vinny, that the bonus secret section of the of the book in the back, that you should even take that and make that into a, a smaller little booklet that people could carry with them every every time they go to confession, which I hope would be a lot. It is packed with those kinds of aids that I think would be beneficial for people to really seek out. You know, at first, the, just turning and praying with Our Lady. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, and it's so funny because I, I finally latched on the idea of, okay, bonus secret, because I got to the other book and realized, oh my God, I didn't get anything in there about how to examine your conscience and what to do before you go to confession and how to make this a real good experience. I thought, okay. And we'll call this the hors d'oeuvres. You know, don't mm-hmm. forget the hors d'oeuvres. The, the, before the main meal, you, you gotta have a little snacks here. And it. so, um, and, and I purposely put, um, I mean, I have links to traditional examinations of conscience that mm-hmm. are based on commandments and the Beatitudes, but I also have my own little seven step exam, which is much more, um, for me, it's, it's the, the step that we miss sometimes. Again, instead of focusing just on, on, specific behaviors, you know, what are the root problems? Why am I going back with the same sin? You know, what are the habits or behaviors that I'm having trouble changing? And, you know, where are my wounds? If you find your wounds, your woundedness, you'll find sin. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and where's the unforgiveness? Well, you know, what kind of unforgiveness do I have today, (laughs) you know, that I need to, to get rid of? And then because of of there's another point that's really not understood by by so many people. I never understood it. I, you know, I, I would again my focus would be go to get this sins forgiven. But what the Catechism teaches is that confession calls for a radical reorientation of my entire life. Mm-hmm. Huh? Whoa! So it's not just about individual behaviors and stuff. When I go to confession, I should be going with the goal. 
to radically redirect, reorient my whole life. So before confession, I'm just, okay, you know, where are some areas where I need to change? Where, where are some things in my life where, you know, if Christ showed up today, where wouldn't he be happy with me? You know, or where would he be sad because I just don't get it? <laughs> you know, where am I confused? Where am I not at peace? These are the kind of questions we need to ask ourselves. So that's why I put some of these things in so that so that people could really think about that and also realize that, you know, uh, the priest is acting in persona Christi, but he's still a human being. Mm-hmm. And priests need grace. So Faustina learned through some, some, some you know, unfortunate confession experiences that she needed to pray for her priest before she went to confession to him. So she would spend time praying for her confessor before she went to confession so that the confessor would be given the grace to be really open to to the Lord, really be able to reflect the, the tenderness of the Father, and really be able to direct the soul properly. So that's another thing that I never thought about doing. No one ever told me that. And, and, and now I do it all the time because it really helps. Wow. Really helps. I think that is an understatement when we come to talk about your work, Vinnie Flynn, not only in this glorious book, The Seven Secrets of Confession, but also The Seven Secrets of the Eucharist. I would make sure that this got in the hands of anybody that is entering into an RCIA program, a parents preparing their kids for sacramental reception. Oh my gosh, just about any, well, maybe all Catholics as we are living this period of mystagogia in the church, which is ongoing because we've entered into this mystery and you are such a wonderful guide. I, I wish we had more time. Any final thoughts? Um, just based on what you just said, and I'm hoping that people will not only read this, but that they will will um, read or explain it to their children, give it as gifts to anybody involved in formation, RCIA instructors, CCD instructors, First Communion and Confession instructors, mm-hmm. their deacons, their priests, because it, what you said is such a, it, it really needs to, uh, we all need to understand this. One of the reasons I wrote it was because I just love Pope John Paul, who's on the cover. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and he said, the people of God, you know, um, need to be helped to rediscover the beauty of the sacrament. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to do with this book. And so that, you know, people who get the book and then pass it along or or talk to people about it, explain these concepts, they're all participating in in, in um, fostering that rediscovery among people because that's what we need in the Church. We need a revival of devotion to um, reconciliation and Eucharist. Vinny, thank you so much for your time, and I know you're busy, but I'm looking forward to the next time. Uh, Thank you so much, Chris. With Vinny Flynn, we've gone inside the pages of Seven Secrets of Confession. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, 
And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from Today's Most Compelling Authors.